Welcome back, guys. We're moving into our second session now of, of our study with what we want to become in Christ. We've talked about it's one thing to be something, but to be something, you have to become that something. Last time, Gary talked about, uh, you want to be a doctor? Great. You can't just open this, open your office the next day. You've got to go out and become that doctor. And so that's extremely important. And our last time, we talked about becoming faith-filled. Guys, we don't expect anyone to be faith-filled on day one. You can be faith, have faith in God and put your faith in Jesus and, and be saved and things. But when it comes to facing life in a faith-filled way, you have to become that. And God knows that. And he's designed us that way to become faith-filled. That's what we talked about last time. And I hope that meant a lot to you guys. We had some fun doing that. But what we're going to talk about tonight is, is about becoming godly. And Gary, we just take away to explain what that means. Sure. We started in our last session talking about being men of God, literally men who represent God in our everyday living. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, and he said, we need to be ambassadors for Christ. We're representing him in this world. So we're going to talk about being godly men. What does it mean to be a godly man? To be godly means to live my life being shaped by God's word and showing forth God's character. So that's what we're going to focus on today. And actually, we're going to take two sessions, this session and the next session, talking about being godly men. And we're going to focus in this session on being godly in our character, having godly character. So uh, I want to encourage you tonight, if you haven't already done so, at some point in time, 1 Timothy chapter 3, I want you to read the first 15 verses, and I'm going to tell you why here in just a moment. It's very important you read those verses and know what it says, because Paul's talking to this young minister, Timothy, saying, you need to develop godly leaders for the church, because the church needs men who can carry God's work. So here's what we're going to talk about. God is trying to develop his character in all of us. And me, in you, I don't care who you are. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you begin the journey. God is trying to develop his character in you. So in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, these first 15 verses, Paul writes to two groups of people that encompasses all of us. First, he talks to what Scripture calls bishops. They were church overseers or church leaders. And then he talked and wrote to deacons, which are men who were serving in the church. So we take church leaders and we take those who are helping do the work of the ministry. So basically, he's writing to everybody and said, you know, we all need to develop a godly character and God will develop a godly character in all of us. One of the things that just jumped out to me when you were just talking about that is when you said that God is going, he's developing a godly character. And I know a bunch of you guys, so, so is Gary. And you're a lot of characters. I mean, and, and it's, we're not talking about the same thing. And there's nothing wrong with you all being characters. I can name some names right now. Uh, nothing wrong with that, as long as the character behind your characters is godly. And that's what we're trying to focus on right now. And one of the biggest points here is, for me, uh, one of the points that, that Gary just made is something that hit me right between the eyes, was I preached for years and taught for years about there's the deacons and there's, there's, there's the elders and, and what they have to do to, to qualify for those jobs. Um, it never quite hit me. What Paul was saying was, we're all 
supposed to attain to that ideal to live those godly lives that have that kind of godly character as characters. Yeah, and when we stand before God, he doesn't have one set of rules for me and a different set for you. He has rules for our lives, and he says, look, I want to develop my nature, my character, these qualities in your life. So in in 1 Timothy 3, verse 15, Paul wrote these words. He says, I write these things so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. In other words, if you're going to draw life from God's house and be a part of God's house, you need to know how to conduct yourself, what your life needs to look like. So this session, the next few minutes, I'm going to give you five things real quickly, areas of life that God's going to get involved in and things he's going to develop within my character and how I live and how people see me. In our next session, we're going to talk about lifestyle, but this one's all about godly character. So let me give you five ways God's going to work. And guys, this is when you start taking notes, <laughs> just to say, just start taking notes at this point. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 3, the first 15 verses, break it down into five things. Number one, God will help me, help me build a good reputation. I have a reputation. Doug has a reputation. We all have a reputation. And the interesting thing about a reputation is I've earned my reputation. You've earned yours. There are things we've done and not done. There's, there are ways we carry ourselves and don't carry ourselves. There's things we say and don't say that have built our reputation. And when you look at the original writings here, literally when it talks about reputation, it means you don't have a reputation of being a criminal. Now, maybe you have a reputation. Maybe you've got something on your rap sheet. We talked in our first meeting we had in the kickoff meeting about, I have a past, but grace intervened, mercy came along, and I'm not who I used to be. You need to forget about who you used to be and become who God says you are. We've already taught through that, but here's what I want to get to. God will help you change your reputation. God will strengthen your reputation. He will make it better, and there, there's a story in uh, that Jesus uh walked through in his uh, stories in the gospel with a guy named Zacchaeus. He had a bad reputation, but after an encounter with Jesus, he said, I'll go and make everything right. All the things I've done wrong, I'm going to fix it and make it right. He changed his reputation. We can let God help us change our reputation. I don't care what's in your background. God can change your reputation among family, friends, and people around you. And one of the points we want to make about that as well, guys, is I, I know there's all sometimes the sometimes a tendency to take the attitude of, well, I don't care what people think about me, or or I I I if you don't like the way I am, that's your fault. You know things like that going on. I just want to point out one specific note about Jesus. It said as he was growing, he grew in favor with God and with men. Yeah. He was important to God Almighty that his reputation with men was good. And so, and if anybody should have a good reputation, it would have been Jesus. Was he misunderstood? Yes. Was he, were, were lies told about him? Yes. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about his character was such that obviously he had a good thing going with God, but men respected him for his character. So gentlemen, this is important is that you focus on your reputation, that you have earned the respect that God has given you through Jesus Christ. Yep. yep. Reputation is so important. So let me ask you a question. What is your reputation with people? 
You know what? God wants to work in you to change you from the inside out. So as time goes by, as I walk with Jesus, I am becoming more of a man of God. My reputation will change. Number two, what about appetites, emotions? God will help me control my appetites and my emotions. You know, it's, it's really sad when we say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but our appetites are just out of control. Our emotions rule our lives. That's scary because that's not God's will for us. And Doug was just talking about how sometimes we just say, well, this is how I am. This is how God made me. No, some of what we are is our fallen nature. But God's Spirit wants to change that from within and help us learn to control appetites and emotions. And what Paul wrote here, just a few words, he said, we need to be temperate, which means we have our life under control. We need to be sober-minded. We need to think clearly and godly. And then he also said, we need to not be given to wine. Now, some of you say, well, I, I, don't, I would never touch wine. What we need to live lives that are not given over to any kind of appetite where it's out of control. How about your food? How about what you watch on the internet or what you watch on TV and movies? Our appetites need to be under the control of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. Yeah, when we have this discussion, I, I start to feel a little uncomfortable about the donut I just had to eat. So, because <laughs> it, it doesn't fit what my regimen is supposed to have. So, you guys all heard that, but don't tell my wife, okay? <laughs> But one of the things I always ask myself when it comes to my appetites is, what's more important to me, more important to me than, than God? Is that thing that I crave? Is that is that attitude that I hold? Is that practice that I have? Is that is that whatever? And I don't want to let go of that thing I eat, that thing I drink, that I don't want to let go of. Is that more important to me than my relationship with God? Is that more important to me than having giving God the opportunity to grow my character and my reputation through? And if that answer is, yeah, it kind of is, that right away tells me, tells you, uh, gentlemen, we got something to work on there when it only comes to appetites. And, and I think appetites and emotions, it starts with being honest. Because yeah. the truth is, Doug had two donuts, <laughs> not one. <laughs> so, Doug, let me help you with that, okay? okay thank you. Uh, a third area. Third way that God's going to work in our lives. God will help me learn to handle money honestly and properly. You know, how we handle money is, is really a picture of our lives. Where do we put God in our financial picture? Where does, does his voice come in? Where do we follow his guidelines on what we need to do with money? Money's not good. Money's not bad. Money is just neutral. What we do with money determines whether it's good or whether it's bad. And in this passage of Scripture, Paul says we need not be covetous. In other words, trying to grab what other people have and take it away from them. We need to be honest, he says, in our business dealings. And we as men, most of you sitting in this group, if you're not retired, you're in business somewhere, or you have a business life. You have a job that you work, or you own your own business. And the question is, are we doing business? Are we handling money honestly? Are we doing it in an upright manner? Because that's a part of what builds our reputation. And I know Doug's in the business world, different world than I am in. But Doug, you can talk about this, how important it is that we handle money correctly. It, it is essentially, it, and Gary, it kind of gets back to the whole appetite discussion as well. Because what the scripture's talking about here is the love of money. And that love of money, you know, money, like you say, is neutral. 
but how we feel about it and how we think it, in essence, almost feels about us is, is, is a real discussion to be had. I know um, in many cases, you know, I've been through business for, I won't tell you how many decades, but for a long time. And, and stuff, and I've, I've seen lack. I've seen extreme lack. I was homeless for a, for a little while. So I've seen the lack side of things, and I've seen the abundance side of things. And the, the one thing I have learned through all of that is I don't care how little I have or how much I have, I have to trust God. I have to trust God. And that loving the money as if it takes the place of God and, and that security that we think loving money was going to give us is a falsehood. It is a falsehood. And so that's why God says, don't love money. But when you have it, use it honestly and use it properly. Yeah. And if we'll love God and listen to his word and let it mold and shape our lives, we won't love money. We will use money as a tool for good. And, you know, there's so much we can say about money. I don't want to stay here too long. But it's so very important that we understand how I deal with money, how I handle money is a reflection of my wisdom and my walk with God. So, men, if, if you're struggling there, get help. Because if you're learning from ungodly people, you will mishandle money. In fact, we can give you that help. Right now we have a special for $9.99. No, just kidding. <laughs> West City. Number four, fourth area. God will help me learn how to get along with people. Wow. wow. God will help me learn how to get along with people. You know, I teach this on Sundays whenever I talk about relationships. There are always going to be people in life who push you the wrong way and rub you the wrong way. They're like sandpaper. You get around them and it's like, ugh. You know what? Oftentimes when that's happening to us, God's saying, here, I want you to learn to love this person. God will help me learn how to find the value in people. When we talk about God's agape love, agape means God looked at us until he found something of himself in us and he found something to love. He found something he could put value on. It's the same with us. Jesus took all the laws of God and said, I'm going to break it down to two things. Learn to value God's place in your life and then learn to value people. When I don't like somebody, I begin to devalue them. If you're devaluing somebody, you're breaking the law of God. God wants to teach us how to get along with people. Sometimes it's a smile and walk away and don't say anything. Sometimes it's I'm sorry. Sometimes it's I was wrong. But God will teach us how to get along with people. And Paul used these words, gentle. Are you gentle with people or are you harsh? Hospitable. Do you have time for conversation? Do you have time to spend with people to develop relationships? He says, not quarrelsome. Do you jump into conversation and always get in arguments and always take the opposite view? He also used the word honorable. Do we talk in ways that value people and place honor on people? God will help us learn how to get along with people. This is a big one, guys. Yeah. This is a big one. Um, here at the bridge, we're going to connect people with God and with people. Um, there's a reason for that. I wasn't here when you all came up with that. Uh, but the, the genius of it is a summary of, of what God wants us to be and do in this world today. Um, most of you guys know that I spent some time in politics, and uh, that was an interesting time. And so God did some interesting things during that time. But, and by the nature of that beast, um, not everyone liked me. In fact, there are a few people who very much did not like me and did some very mean things and said them things. And then... Uh, it just I won't go into those details. 
I made the decision, and I'm, I'm not trying to make myself look all super spiritual or anything else, but I did make the decision that I was going to turn them around. And we did. Over the course of time, those same folks became my biggest supporters in, for my next election. My point here, guys, is we talked about those situations and trials and the, you know, that we can look at it as a pat on the back from God that says, I wouldn't let this happen except for the fact that I know you can handle it and I've shown you a way out. If the same thing applies to those folks that make us mad, that don't like us or maybe we don't like, God is calling us to connect with him, but to connect with them so they can connect with him. And the only way to do that is learn to get along with people, to be gentle, to be hospitable, to be not quarrelsome, to be honorable. Not, will, will you get along with everybody? I don't. I don't. But that's as much as what Paul said, as, as, as much as in me is, I live at peace with as many people as I can. And that's our call. And there are some people who are just not going to be agreeable. They, they're not going to get along with you. But you don't have to constantly be in fights with people. God's Spirit yeah. will develop things in you that you learn how to get along with people. And we could talk about this, you know, for hours too. But let me go to the last thing, number five. God will help me lead my family well. I want to stress that word, lead. God will help me lead my family well. Men are called to be leaders, especially at home. Men need to be leaders, especially at home. And I just want to refer to two things real quickly. God wants us to be godly husbands. Godly husbands. The most important earthly relationship you should ever have is that between, is that uh, that happens between a husband and wife. Your wife, your relationship with her should be your most important earthly relationship. There's lots of scripture. We don't have time to get into it all, but you need to honor her. You need to love her. You need to protect her and love her the way Christ loves the church. That's a tall order. But if you don't learn to love your wife, it will really hurt your relationship with God and your relationship with people. And then the second part of that, I need to also be a godly father. My children are watching me. I need to be a godly example. I need to live in such a way that leads them that when they get older and as they follow, they can follow my footsteps and say, let's go that direction because that's a godly direction. That's my responsibility. Am I loving my kids? Am I helping them be what God created them to be? Am I giving them boundaries for their lives? Do I know what they're getting into and not getting into? Do I know what they're learning? Do I know who they're running with? Do I know their friends? All of these things are responsibilities of a godly father. And again, we could talk about this for a long time, but you know if you're pouring your life into your family or if you're not. I encourage you, let God help you be a godly husband and a godly father to your children. My, um, both my son and his wife, as well as my daughter, her husband, the last two months have had babies. Uh, so in two months' time, I've got two grandchildren. And on top of how awesome those little babies are, we won't go into that right now. Um, the one thing that's been fun to watch, for, well, for all four of them, has been the light dawning of parenthood. And all of a sudden, so many of the things that their mother and I taught them and did over the years, they suddenly had gotten it. I had a conversation with my son a couple of days ago after he brought his, his baby boy home. And he said, there's going to be a couple of phases you're going to deal with. One is, is for a long time, he's just going to watch you until the day he wants to be you. 
So who are you going to be? And you know, and that's when it comes to being a father or a husband, you know, we can talk about the issues there that, you know, not every marriage is always all that fun and such. But all you have to do, guys, in my view, all you can do is live your life with your wife in such a way that you can look in the mirror every day and say, I honored God. And if you try that every day, let God do his thing. But here's the, here's the deal. <laughs> this is where the rubber meets the road. This is in that relationship, the most impotent, impotent oof, that's not the right word, the most, the, the most, <laughs> sorry, Gary, the most important um, relationship there is intimate. That's what I meant to say that there is, is that also is the relationship that God uses to describe and, and to model the church. Yeah. And, and, and through all of that, everything we're talking about, if we can't do it there, yeah. why will we be able to do it outside that family? This is where the rubber meets the road. And folks, guys, this is this is what is so important about these five things that Pastor Gary's talking about right here that I hope he wrote down. Because if we can get those in order, it will develop the godly character that God wants to have in your life. And let me let me throw one more thing sure. here. Because this just last quick thought. You know, I have two sons. Everybody, I think, knows that. Uh, my younger son, Zane, when he was just a little guy, he was probably nine years old. He was out playing one day and I was in the house doing something. And he came in the house to get something to drink. He stand there drinking his, his soft drink. He got finished, looked at me and he walked over and just gave me a hug real quick and said, dad, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. And you know, it went all over me and it really, it, it brought me to tears. Not because I was proud, because I realized he's watching me. The kids are watching you. We need to show them the way to Jesus. If we can get them to Jesus, Jesus can fix the rest of the stuff that they're dealing with in life. But be a godly husband, be a godly father. And gentlemen, you're not always going to be understood in any of these five areas. You're not. But that's not, that's not the important part. The important part is they're going to understand your character. And that's what we're talking about here is a godly character that God is going to put into your life that supersedes the misunderstandings and, and the issues like that. What we want to do right now is hand this back to you, the group leaders and to your groups, for you all to discuss a few questions and, and to talk about exactly what this means um, for your life. And we're looking forward to seeing what comes out of all this. Until then, you guys take care.